0: Welcome back to the Dime Gaming Bros podcast. I am just now realizing now that I'm thinking about it. I haven't put our our uh, theme song in the past two episodes.
1: Oh no, <laughs> that's all right. It barely counts as a theme song, anyways. It's a it's a little jingle, you know. I just I just was like, oh shit,
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna go back and re render that. <laughs> uh, so I am Spencer, joined by my co host Jacob. Hello. My name is Jacob. We're here to talk about video games uh, that we got maybe for cheap. Uh, maybe. And general video game news and tech stuff and uh, video game industry politic and uh, sometimes an adaptation or an uh, an additional uh, property of a franchise. So your TV shows, your movies... Your short films. All the good shit. Your uh,
1: your, your uh, play dramatizations.
0: If that ever happens, I'll fucking watch it. I don't care.
1: As as <laughs> we will better- drive
0: to Broadway and watch freaking Tekken the musical. <laughs> Dude, if it's better than Shrek the musical, I am down. So, I think you have a trivia question to open us up, sir. Uh,
1: I do. And I'm going to start with a disclaimer. Ooh. I could not verify this to, to uh appease my conscience. So if you can disprove me, then I I lose trivia rights or something. But uh it's still fun trivia if it's true. The Nintendo 64. Cool games on it. But there was one game that ran at 60 frames per second. What game would that be?
0: Ooh, that's hot. I know it wasn't Mario Kart. Correct. Uh I don't think it was Goldeneye. Correct. Donkey Kong Country. Definitely not. Uh, That that thing ran at, like, 12. Um, (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. So, it is spoopy month. Uh, There will be a lot of uh, doot-doot noises in this episode, I'm sure, uh, for the jackass who's going to have to edit it.
1: Uh, We only pay that guy peanuts, so that's why the edit isn't very good. So what spooky game have you been playing? I thought we were doing spooky month next month and I had already downloaded spooky game. Uh, And then you were like, no, 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 this is the spooky month. So uh, sorry, but uh, I played The Wolf Among Us. It was initially, Uh. initially released on October 11th of 2013. Uh, and developed and published by telltale games it was released episodically uh it's a story based on bill wellingham's fables comic book series those comics slab this, so this game was released on the ps3 4, vita xbox one 360 pc uh android and apple mobile literally everything but nintendo systems
0: so you played it on the vita right
1: no i played it on pc but when i found out it was on the Vita, i was like damn it i could have i, I should have anyway uh the story follows bigby the big bad wolf the sheriff of fable town the game opens with a domestic disturbance you know something easy to get used to the controls. Uh and then the first chapter ends with a gruesome murder. The twist is that they only find the head of the body, but it is the head of the person that is standing right next to Big B. Clearly still attached to the person still standing next to Big B. Very.
0: That was a really good twist initially. I had only played the um the demo for a while, which was like the first half of the first episode or whatever. And leaving it there was infuriating because I didn't like have enough money to get the rest of the game back then. And that's
1: why we do this show, because we pope. Uh, as Bigby investigates, he uncovers political corruption, weird kinks, the body the head belongs to, several problems with Fable Town's version of a healthcare system, and a black market that's corrupting most of Fable Town's Residents, If you've played a Telltale game before, you know what you're getting here as far as visuals and gameplay. The characters are cell shaded The game looks great. I think my only complaint about the whole game is that the shadow effects were a little rough. They usually looked uh, blocky and kind of glitched through most characters' geometry. My guess is that it was either because of the art style or possibly limitations uh, of the game engine Telltale was using. It sometimes looked like they had to get creative moving objects in and out of the camera or around the room, which is a nice way of saying there is some visual jank, but it really doesn't matter. There were such small bugs, I quickly forgot about them. They're the kind of bugs that nostalgia quickly covers up because this is such a great game. Most of the game is played by making choices in a conversation. Usually, uh, you get an empathetic option, an asshole option, a middle option, and silence. I guess the visual section is a good time to talk about quick time events. These games stress me out. People who know me know I'm kind of socially retarded, and these games only highlight that fact. Out of the four previously mentioned options, I usually only have the sit in silence option in real life, so for the game to give me... uh, a timer as I consider three new options scares the crap out of me. It also bugs me when I choose an option. No, I'm not going to do that. And my character says, fuck you, I'll never help you. Sometimes the subtlety it gets lost in translation. <laughs> the visual section is, is a good time to talk about the quick time events. Uh, if a chase or a fight scene happens, most people don't really like Big B. It would result in a quick time event where I would be prompted with a swipe of the joystick, or a button prompt, or to mash the A button. Usually, uh, the stick swipes were cool because they moved Big B, or and sometimes the guy he's grappling with, um, in that direction. It made the fight feel much more interactive. In the last chapter, he's chasing a car through traffic, and the game gave me an option to jump out of the way or over a truck. I did find it odd that the joystick swipes didn't depend on which stick, and also the few times uh, I had to put the cursor over something, the game would specify the left or right trigger to pull, but it never mattered which trigger I pulled. Um, I got it wrong several times, but it still succeeded. My last thought on visuals, is that the options in the settings menu are extremely limited. Graphics and texture quality levels, uh, anti-aliasing, full screen on and off, and resolution are the only options. I guess because it's a Telltale game, it'll basically run on anything, so there's really no need to put a ton of options in. For sound design, again, I'm gonna skimp on this part of my review. The voice actors absolutely crush it. Big B sounds like he's gargled gravel since he left his mother's den. Jonathan Crane is a creepy old perv. Uh, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty and the Beast, Toad, Crooked Man, every character sounds how you would imagine them if you only saw a picture of them. Besides that, though, the sounds of interacting with the world are minimal or are present and do their job so well that I didn't even notice. Um, there are a few times my conversation choices would be delivered uncomfortably early or late, but that's just the game being dumb. Uh, the music is great. I describe. It. I had a really hard time trying to figure out how to describe it. I guess it's like gumshoe jazz. I guess. Uh, I would have guessed there were three to five songs, but a quick Google search tells me that the official soundtrack is forty-two songs long so maybe i should just hang up my reviewing hat apparently i'm not very good at this (laughs) in closing i've had a rough history with telltale games at first i didn't realize that they're basically an interactive story i was expecting an action game the first one or two um i have started the first batman game three different times and still haven't finished it I didn't know Wolf Among Us was based on comics. I just knew it was Spencer's favorite Telltale game, so I had to review it here before he did. Uh, But also, he's told me quite often I had to play it, so here it is. Uh, I enjoyed my time a lot. I spent about eight hours playing this game. There's five chapters in total. It was nice to come home from work, uh, pour a sip of whiskey, and just chill with a low-intensity game. I spent $15 for 13 games, most of them Telltale Games, on a Humble Bundle back in June of 2020. Wolf Among Us is $15 on Steam right now, and that is a pretty fair price, I think. Nice.
0: So I am going to say it's not Super Mario 64 that is correct um is it is it a game that i will actually know
1: i think so it is a a it's not a one-off there are multiple games in the series Hmm. but it's been a while since there's been a release And it's. Well, Conquer
0: didn't come out on the 64, so it's not Conquer.
1: It is a complicated title. So if you can just even describe the gameplay to me so that I know you know what you're talking about, I'll give it to you.
0: Interesting. I do not have any further guesses at this time. So uh, we had uh, D23 uh, this past month. So we got a few game announcements from that. Tron Identity was revealed via a teaser trailer at D23 2022, being developed and published by Biffle Games. The official summary reads, someone has been taken. Enter a new...
1: Something has been taken. Oh, fucking...
0: Yeah. The official summary reads, something has been taken. Enter a new grid and forge alliances via visual novel gameplay, uncovering truths about Identity Disk Puzzles. Make critical decisions and plot your own course in a world without a creator. Tron Identity releases in 2023 for PC and console. I'm kind of fucking excited for this because uh, I like detective like story novel games like a lot. And I swear I'm the only person in the universe who likes Tron anymore.
1: <laughs> yep. So <laughs> yes they had a,
0: There's a couple of other Tron properties outside of the movies that are all pretty good. There's a a tie-in game for Tron Legacy, which was actually half-decent. It was like a third-person action game, Hmm. but I think this might be a better path to take, especially because of where the story is left off, and also the third movie that got canned because too many Marvel movies. Um, So, like, just the weird place that the world is kind of stuck in right now would make for some interesting stories.
1: And it's like... (sighs) It's just such a janky series, because the first one was made a long time ago, and then they made the second one, and nobody really asked for it, and it didn't get great reviews, so it's just stuck in such limbo, like, well, what it do is. we do now?
0: It's very weird, because like, the first one, people, a lot of the people who don't like Legacy just frankly, are being nostalgic over the first one. The first one had a mediocre story, too. Like, it was a visual thing. Like, it was a big technological development, and the story in the first one was- At the time. And now it looks like
1: ass. eh,
0: it looks interesting more than anything else. I, I find it fun to look at. But, like, the first one had a really shitty story. I argue that Legacy's a lot better than the first one. But, yeah, it's not up everybody's alley. There's definitely some problems with it and it's just it's kind of weird cuz like it doesn't appeal to the the like gen x and boomer demographic that watched right. the original one and yeah. then all the the younger people that had watched it are either the couple of weirdos like me or they're all caught up in superhero movies like the fact that the the potential director for the third movie just came out and said yeah no the movie was going to happen but it got canceled cuz there's too many fucking superhero movies like it's kind of true it eats into a similar demographic of people and like no one, no one's obsessed with Tron except like that one guy. You kind of lame, yeah. Me. So it, it's nice to get a a smaller game. It's also being published and made by like the same people, so that's kind of cool.
1: From msn.com, EA is teaming up with Marvel to make a new single-player Iron Man game, revealed via a teaser image. The game is being developed by Motive Studio, which is working on the upcoming Dead Space remake. EA is describing this new Iron Man title as an all-new single-player third-person action-adventure Iron Man video game that will feature an original narrative that taps into the rich history of iron man channeling the complexity charisma and creative genius of tony stark and enabling players to feel what it's like to truly play as iron man i have more to read but if i cannot fly drunk as iron man i do not want to play this game The new game is currently in pre-production, so it seems as if it could be quite a while before we'll actually be able to play it. The development team is led by Olivier Pouet. P-R-O-U-L-X? I think that's an
0: I. I think, he's, Canadi- I think he's, he's Canadian, so it's French.
1: Yeah, Pouet. Uh, who worked on Square Enix's well-received Guardians of the Galaxy game from last year.
0: I'm interested in this because I am like the first Iron Man got a tie-in game that was actually half decent, very forgotten, but this current like Renaissance of Marvel related like video games is great. Um it's
1: good quality too. That's why they're, they've been good. <laughs>
0: yeah. The they're only good, one so that's good. been, yeah. Like the only one that hasn't been up to par was the Avengers game and they've, Basic Square Enix has pretty much dropped it. They're still supporting it a bit, I think, but they're definitely not hankering on making any real money out of it. And obviously, it's not getting a continuation. So, right, you know, this is cool. The image looks nice, um, and uh, I don't trust EA, but I do trust Motive Studio. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy not too long ago on our other show, Dime Comic Bros podcast, and uh, it, I mean. It wasn't a 10 out of 10, but it was like a 7 or 8 out of 10. It yeah. it was enjoyable.
0: For sure. From
1: GameInformer.com Skydance's
0: Marvel game stars Black Panther and kept star- starring Black Panther and Captain America was revealed at D23 2022 via an announcement trailer and teaser image. The biggest news right out of the gate is that the game stars Black Panther, Captain America, and two additional heroes. All four characters will be playable at different parts of the story. According to Skydance, players can look forward to intuitive controls and exhilarating second-to-second gameplay that captures the action and excitement of Marvel, inspired by landmark comics, television, and films as they navigate this all-new globetrotting adventure.
1: That quote says a whole lot
0: of nothing. Yep. But go ahead. Skydance New Media is a AAA developing, development branch of Skydance Media started by Amy Hennig, who is both... Know, both who is best known for her work as the creative director and writer of the first three uncharted games.
1: And also a bunch of canceled games. Big True. Big This is actually kind of
0: exciting. I'm curious as to who the other two people are going to be. Smells like squad based squad based gameplay to me, but the visual style looks really fucking cool. And I just like this team up. Like I have talked about it a little bit recently, but there's a few black Panther and captain America comics that are really cool. Like, especially being set in the past. Like, it sets it apart from the other games. It's not just going to be like gray corridors, you know?
1: It's a team-up that I am not familiar with, but I really, really like the concept. It's a great idea. From comicbook.com, when Marvel Games started to hone in on more premium games starring its heroes, many wondered if this would all lead to a video game version of the MCU. You mean like Square Enix's Avengers? That was my addition. Uh, However, it seems like Marvel Games is adamantly against the idea. Marvel Game VP and Creative Director Bill Roseman told GamesIndustry.biz that it is not mandating any kind of connected universe as it wants the studios to have the freedom to tell the stories they want. Roseman noted that it wants creatives to feel like they can make drastic moves in their story without it impacting someone else's game. The world is amazingly very familiar and accepting of the multiverse, Roseman said. We have all these different realities. Now they're all real and we want to give everyone the freedom to tell their story. We don't want to say you can't blow up the moon because this game over here by another studio needs the moon. We want to give everyone the freedom and the clear lane to tell their story. This is
0: awesome. Yes, because we have. There's a lot of. There's a lot of these damn games, and the just trying to imagine the amount of coordination that would need to happen to make any of them connect to each other between different studios on different continents on different consoles is insane. So just like let them do the thing they want to do. Let it. Re, let them release what they want to release on different stuff. Yes. And because we have uh, obviously the Spider Man games are one thing. We have the Wolverine game, which out of any of them, that might be in continuity with the Spider Man game, but I still doubt it. It's the same studio. But so we got those two series. Then we have Marvel's Avengers, which is getting dropped. Um, We have Guardians, and then we have the Iron Man game, the Captain America game, the the Captain America and Black Panther game. And then we have the Black Panther game, Midnight Suns. Oh, yeah, we got Midnight Suns, which is going to be trash. Um, that's eight games already. Like, just let them do their own thing. Very good. Very good. Smart, smart business boy. Yes. <clears throat> die by the Blade was revealed via a reveal trailer. Uh, the video description reads, Vanquish your foes with a single strike and a one-hit kill. Fighter Die by the Blade. This weapon-focused samurai punk slasher comes to PS4 and PS5 on November 3rd, 2022. The game is being developed by Triple Hill Interactive, Grindstone, and Toko Midori Games, and published by Quali. So I, being an Xbox player myself, don't really keep up with PlayStation stuff very much. But uh, this looks really interesting. One, because it's a cool-looking fighting game instead of what a lot of fighting games now look like, which is shit. Um, And it's a one-hit kill system, like, with weapons. This is way more interesting than, like, combo, 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 I'm dead. And there's actual strategy to it. And the gameplay looks pretty interesting, and the style's cool.
1: It is unique. It sounds really cool. I haven't seen the trailer, because I got the news, like, a minute before we started recording. But uh, I will be looking into this. From MSN.com, Zelda Tears or Tears of the Kingdom was first unveiled in 2019, but it took the Nintendo Direct summer, September 2022 showcase for us to get a more forthright look at the game in action, a release date, and confirmation of an official name. If you haven't been keeping up with the slow release of news over the last few years, The Legend of Zelda Tears or Tears of the Kingdom, we'll see Link return to the vast lands of Hyrule, expanded massively as he's now able to explore islands in the sky. As if that didn't happen in Skyward Sword, but anyway. With new weapons, new dungeons, and a suite of mysterious new powers to wield, this looks like a worthy successor of Breath of the Wild. I mean, if it's
0: taken, like, almost six years to come out, it better be.
1: I literally don't care. It looks like more Breath of the Wild. But didn't Uh, you like Breath of the Wild? No, I hated it. I think I'm the only person in the world that hates Breath of the Wild. Huh.
0: Um... I think that is a cringe and gay opinion. Although it does okay. have some things that annoy the shit out of me.
1: Literally three swings of any weapon and That's it the breaks. big one.
0: Yeah, weapon degradation was the big one. The rest of it I quite like. I really like the art style too. Um I'm kind of a sucker for when the Zelda games do something different. Like the 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 cartoon type games are always fun with like yes. goofy looking characters and like I really like Breath of the Wild's art style, but I mean, Breath of the Wild came out in 2017. So this game has been started probably pretty shortly after that. There was no real DLC for Breath of the Wild. So like this has taken so long. I think this was originally this was supposed
1: to come out like two years ago. Hopefully it's good.
0: Um, Um, Looks pretty.
1: It looks polished like Breath of the Wild was. It just it literally just looks like more Breath of the Wild with some new toys and tools.
0: I mean, that is one thing you can't you can't really say about Breath of the Wild. It definitely was not janky. It was polished to a point. All right. From Kotaku.com, the biggest critic in gaming is getting into publishing. Jacob has already nutted. Jason, video game donkey Gastro, announced in his latest YouTube video that he and his wife, Leah, will run a new indie label called Big Mode, dedicated to discovering and evangelizing the best games that haven't ever been even been made yet. I'm sick of sitting on the sidelines waiting for great games to appear, the YouTuber said. Now I want to get in there and help make it happen. Gastro is far and away the most dominant YouTuber when it comes to game reviews, with polished videos featuring a mix of running gags and unvarnished opinions, consistently gathering millions of views. He now says he wants to take his years of taste making and funnel it towards helping new indie projects stand out in the current sea of mediocrity. As examples of what he's looking for, he cites some of the best-selling and most critically acclaimed indie games in recent years like Enter the Gungeon, Celeste, and Hades, which all slapped. That's my point. So what exactly will having Gastro publish your game entail? The YouTuber doesn't go into many specifics, but claims Big Mode's contracts will be the most developer-friendly out there and won't limit creative freedom. I'm not looking for creative control over your games, but I do want to be involved, he said. The announcement video ends with a call for developers and studios to go to Big Mode's website and share their projects and portfolios. So this is really interesting on a fair few levels. Um
1: I don't know why you associate me with video game donkey so much. Because, because you watch him more
0: than I do. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's it. It's just it's an easy identifier. I'm like, oh, it's a new donkey video. I bet Jacob's seen it already. I don't know. All right. I quite I quite like uh, Donkey, but he's, he's funny. He's not my favorite guy in the world, but that's no? just my taste. Um, so th- I had one initial like knee jerk reaction to this, which wasn't positive, positive. Uh, and that is just because you know how to critique shit, it doesn't mean you know how to make it. But to be uh, fair, I
1: I watched the video and was waiting for a punchline just because that's how all of his videos are is like, everything's a joke. So I, I really didn't take it seriously after watching like the whole video and being like, wait, there was no joke there. So um, it's really cool that somebody so popular is, is using their platform to help the little guy basically specifically calling out indie game makers and and trying to find um hidden gems and make them more popular i think that's that should happen a lot more often <laughs> for sure um, i think so, hopefully it's not just a
0: pipe dream <laughs> yeah definitely like like i said it was kind of a knee-jerk reaction because it's like it's like you know every film bro with a camera on youtube thinks they know how to make movies it's the same thing with games and it's like this is a stupidly complicated process but to be fair it doesn't look like he wants to get super involved on the back end i'm sure as he said you know he's interested but if he sticks to the mostly like doing the publishing part i i think this is a decent idea just because obviously he has a lot of reach a lot of people trust his opinion to some extent or another he he is very knowledgeable even though he doesn't really portray himself like that he portrays himself as like a retard but that's because internet humor go brr um
1: i mean we do the same thing right right right
0: right. Right. yeah we're definitely not dumb uh no definitely not it's it's definitely an interesting idea to try to like boost smaller or less popular games but
1: even if the game's aren't complete ass if they're like decent then he's doing something good <laughs> yeah I, they're not I, just getting dumped into xbox game pass and getting lost in the sea of games that's right. on there so the, that
0: it's the the thing with that is it does beg the question of like what does he get out of this obviously he'll get paid no shit but like He's, he's citing, you know, some really popular, very well-selling indie games. So it's like, well, those already were popular, you know? Uh, Enter the Gungeon is still, like, pulling in a lot of numbers. And Celeste was, the like, the biggest game that came out, I think it was I'm, 2019.
1: It's huge. pretty sure Enter the Gungeon is made by Devolver. Uh-huh. And, like, almost every one of their games is great.
0: Yeah, so- like, it... I get the the idea of pointing out an example of like, we want to do this, but like clearly some of them are getting out there. So I, it just, it's a little murky on the description of how he's going to actually go about that. But if it just kind of does get into congrats, now these indie publishers get more money and they can make more games and they'll get more proper recognition instead of getting thrown into the game pass or just dumped on Steam for five bucks. Then that's definitely a good thing. It's just—it's
1: the same thing with Hades. They were made; it was made by Super Giant Games, and they have been well known for their games. Uh, the biggest one I see right now is Transistor. Like, uh, Bastion was another one. Like, those guys are hardly indie games. This is true.
0: I—I'm just wondering what 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 he's getting his rocks off on here. Uh, I it's think, not just going to be getting paid and getting his name out there people already know who dunky is like he gets sent review codes and shit like people know who he is i just
1: i think the point of naming those games was trying to say not triple a games <laughs> something that is like those games but is more indie is is way less known
0: i guess it i just, think that's it's, what he was trying to say it might be because i'm not super familiar with like his personal isms this doesn't seem like a very rewarding thing like congrats you get your name stamped on some stuff but if you're not going to be really involved in it like he's saying he doesn't want to be involved in the actual development of and you're just publishing like this like i could imagine if i was in his position i can imagine myself doing that because i want to get the publishers more fucking money but like i don't take anybody on face value and i don't frankly give anyone that much benefit of the doubt like it just it it sounds it 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 simultaneously sounds like a vanity project and also like a kind of like a political move in a sense like in terms of like the gaming industry like it's kind of a power play to get people more money and like more recognition it but that's not really the vibe he ever gives off to me anyways i don't know it's weird We'll see how it goes in five years when something actually gets off the ground.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, Moving on. I get the hard one. HBO Max released the first trailer for their The Last of Us adaptation with the series set to air in 2023. It looks really fucking good. Yes, it does. I'm not Uh, the biggest fan of this series, but I quite appreciate it. But this looks real good. As you pointed out, it is pretty hard to mess up a video game that is extremely cinematic and adapt it to movie or tv like congrats all the hard work was done you just have to do live action now instead of mostly live action (laughs) mocap exactly like that's
0: the the thing with the properties we've gotten so far that are the the better ones, at least, tend to be really cinematic games, and they're very close. Like Tomb Raider, the more recent one, was pretty close. Like, it had a very different plot towards the end, but, like, the a, a lot of the storyboarding for your movie's already done, especially when it comes to HBO Max with uh, The with Last of Us, and Neil Druckmann's, like, one of the writers, so... The storyboards are done. It's the game. Like, Although your point is disproven when I bring up Uncharted. That is true, but they didn't use any of the games, really. They just kind of threw them in a blender. It's just, I don't know. It, when, you, it, when you rely on people utilizing a, a universe and writing their own material, so you get your Resident Evils and your Halos, which like have a type of merit to them, but they're not good. It it kind it comes across like a waste, and then Uncharted can, was
1: almost a year ago. Whew,
0: that's rough. Um, still very forgettable. Um, I don't know. Like I I don't see this being piss poor. I can see it being mediocre. I I can definitely see it being kind of bland. But the casting all looks really good. Yeah yeah yeah. Pedro Pascal, Daddy, whatever. Like, come on. You know, it's a given. And then. The visuals look solid. It has the right tone to it. There's a a few like shot for shot recreations, but not all of it looks like that. And it looks like it's high effort, which I think is the more important part. It's been in production for a few years now, so
1: I don't it's know. Not, I, it's not going to be shit. I always, in my mind, cast uh, Joel uh, as Hugh Jackman instead of Pedro Pascal. That's yeah, just because of Logan. No, it's not. No. I, I played
0: Last of Us long before Logan existed. Ah uh, I don't know. I think he's I think he might be too old for that. Yeah, like Pedro Pascal is. is already pushing it to yeah. be fair. He does look really good though. I, I I I like how it looks. And with most of the stuff that we've talked about, the adaptations or like expansions that have the original creators involved heavily tend to be better. They're not always exciting because they're really really similar to their source material but they tend to have a higher level of quality just you know it it, it does beg the question of like well why would i watch it if i can go play it but it it, at least means the things worth engaging with it has effort
1: having the original creators on it also legitimizes any story change like if they throw extra stuff in you can't argue that it doesn't fit because it's made by the same people.
0: <laughs> True. But also to be fair, the last of us uh, fandom, if you want to call it that, is retarded. Yes. And the past couple of years has been ballistic. And now they all think Neil Neil Druckmann is like Hitler, because neckbeards are stupid. I will Absolutely. leave it. Absolutely. Yes. From ooh. Kotaku.com. Oh, is it is it kitty? Kitty? You said ooh
1: uh no it was a very very exciting touchdown in in Brittburgland oh uh, from kotaku.com google
0: is shutting down its video game streaming service stadia on january 18th
1: 2023 yay i cannot express how annoying the commercials are for stadia it, it, it if if <laughs> If anything, it gives me a chuckle because it's like, <laughs> Google's still trying to do that? Oh my gosh. You want me to buy a controller for a hundred bucks? Get bed. But I'm, I'm glad this is dead. Continue. All
0: purchases will be refunded and the technology will still be used for YouTube and other parts of his businesses, but the conf- consumer-facing app and storefront will be shuttered for good less than five years after it launched joining the graveyard of other projects Google has abandoned. (laughs) Right
1: next to their glasses.
0: Those were bad. And while Stadia's approach to streaming games for consumers was built on a strong technology foundation, it hasn't gained the traction with users that we expected, so we've made the difficult decision to begin winding down our Stadia streaming service. Stadia VP Phil Harrison wrote in a blog post, We are grateful to the dedicated Stadia players who have been with us from the start. We'll be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases made through the Google Store and all game and add-on content purchases made through the Stadia Store. Players will continue to have access to their games, libraries, and play through January 18th, 2023 so they can complete final play sessions. So the thing with this is that Stadia, in terms of how it actually functioned, was one of the better streaming boxes. It was decent like it worked for the most part especially at the beginning but the i believe was halfway through its life cycle they changed how you had to like buy games or whatever but originally you had to buy it and rent the service like you had to get the unit right it was pretty inexpensive it was a hundred bucks for a controller but it was just the hundred bucks and then you had to pay basically for the servers as a like a, a a subscription and you still had to buy the games on the platform it was a lot um but like the technology was decent it was one of the ones that functioned better and at least they are stating they're going to like integrate it into their other stuff so they're not just throwing all that technology away but holy shit they're refunding everything what the fuck
1: <laughs> that's We're weird. grateful to the dedicated stadia players literally the three developers
0: yeah exactly like that's a, <laughs> like it's it didn't bomb exactly but like that's still a decent amount of money to give back from five years ago like right
1: well, I'm sure there's plenty of asterisks
0: there. There's probably yeah. I think the hardware returns are gonna be the shitty one. Like, that's not gonna work. But no, I would I can understand refunding some software because that's the right. thing is they're all digital games, and you had to purchase the game for full price on the service in addition to renting out the subscription. So, like I can kind of understand why they might want to refund games because those are lost. You can't move those anywhere else. There's right. no console counterpart and it's not like you know say the epic Games store decides to finally shutter because it's only used for ea games and fortnite you fucking idiots um and they could just tell steam here take all of our shit and steam will gladly take their stuff it happens all the time we have lots of pc storefronts that have a bunch of things they'll just shuffle it over to another company and go here guys all your save files are over there don't worry right. about it you Stadia- just
1: did it not too long ago exactly
0: ubisoft was one of the few people that worked with stadia almost every ubisoft game was available on stadia it was really funny but stadia can't really do that because the streaming boxes kind of died uh because the regular consoles are doing streaming okay ish ish um it, so it, it's just really funny it's like oh yeah, yeah yeah so it flopped but also we're gonna give all the money back it just sounds really funny such as life uh i don't know stadia was the only one that wasn't like infuriating for me i tried a couple of them the steam deck is shit um and like the i think nvidia made one that was pretty bad but like the stadia was fine i liked the controller it was pretty high quality and it functioned most of the time once you got it (laughs) working the games ran okay you know <laughs>
1: you're really not selling it here <laughs> oh i'm not
0: i'm not trying to sell it but like it le- trying to get it connected to the servers and running like physically functioning was the hard part but once the games were running they they would stream pretty well interesting that mm, is very dead I, I had bought that thing like four years ago and i returned it up like a month in i was, I like, was
1: gonna say how did a, you get your hands
0: a, on this it was like four years ago and it was like a hundred bucks. It was pretty fucking cheap. I just bought it and returned it. I was like, oh, I'll try it. Nope, this is bad. I don't like
1: it. That was it. Do you think it was bad because of your home internet though? Like if you were... <sighs> Most no. of the streaming shit is made for big cities. So if you were in like New York City, do you think it would
0: work better? I mean, probably within a margin. But like like I said, it the... Once it was functioning, once the connection was made, the lag was very minimal. It controlled pretty well. It wasn't... The connection, it wasn't really fluctuating that bad. I've always had decent internet, but that's because mm. at the time, my parents paid for really good internet. Uh, right. um, but, like, it was getting it to find the damn servers and, like, load the game. Gotcha. That was the pain in the butt for it. And I'm not sure how to fix that. I'm, I'm not that tech smart. Technical difficulties.
1: Because that is the end of the news the end of our show is coming quickly. I have a list of N64 games. One of these ran at 60 frames per second, probably. This list is provided by gamesradar.com because it is the only list I could find that actually had the game I'm talking about. So uh, I'll read a bunch and you can stop me if you've heard the one that... That I'm thinking of. You ready? Mystical yes. ninja starring Gummin. I don't know that, that guy. Uh Excite Bike 64. Mario Party 2. Pokémon Snap. Wave Race 64. Fighter's Destiny. Diddy Kong Racing. Sin and Punishment 1080 Snowboarding Pokemon Puzzle League Blast Core Conquers Bad Fur Day Pilot Wings 64 Perfect Dark F0X Was it F0? It was, yes. That's too bad because the next one was Doom 64, and I figured you'd go
0: for that one. (laughs) No, I know because I played Doom 64. It never actually came out on the 64, but you can play it now because it got fixed or finished. You couldn't play it on the 64? Doom 64 was never released. It's an unreleased- Yes, it was. I've seen it in
1: in cases, like around here.
0: Yes, not on the 64. It was released- No. No,
1: I've seen the cartridge. Yeah.
0: Hold you on. You are stupid. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what? Cuphead. 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 Ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so we watched the second season of the Cuphead show. We just of it. F- you didn't finish it? Nope, I didn't finish. Oh, fuck you. Uh, we watched the first season last month. Excuse
1: uh, me. I was watching Rings of Power last night. <laughs> Priorities.
0: True. Uh... It is loosely based on the game property from 2017. The creators are involved as executive producers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is, it got, re- the second season got released like three months after the first one. Uh, yep. Okay, correction, like six. Uh, it's more of the same, but I kind of liked it more this time around. Um, it's
1: got a bigger variety of episode plots, I guess. It doesn't feel like, yeah they get... Into some trouble, they escape trouble, and everything's fine.
0: There's a, there's a lot more of a a, a continual narrative in the yeah second, uh, chunk. They don't even feel like seasons; it's just like chunks. Um, I so wh- I I think um, so. Season two ends on a cliffhanger, uh, and it's labeled well, as no. part. I know it's labeled as part one, and it's episode thirteen from season two. So I'm thinking they probably made about three seasons worth of this stuff in one go. And they're just exactly. breaking it up into chunks because yeah. there is no way that they made this in like six months. Um, and there's no like difference. The theme song's the same. The intro is the same. The credits are the same. The voice acting is identical. Like there's no improvement on the animation. It's the same. There's just more. So I think they probably made a good 40 episodes or something. And then they're just releasing them in little chunks. We're probably going to get season three by like, spring max which is fine by me it just i don't know the fact that the first step the first season had 12 episodes and then season two has 13 the last episode of season one and the first episode of season two is a two-parter it like it ends on a cliffhanger and then it finishes the cliffhanger
1: i just there's no other cliffhanger episodes in the seasons it's nope they just put the one and two episodes at the end of the season. and Yeah. Beginning of the season. So I'm thinking you could have potentially like
0: designed this to be like a, I think it might've been originally a 13 episode season originally, like the first one. So that way it has conclusion because it's introducing a new, uh, ongoing character of, uh, miss chalice who is. And bull boy. A, a, yeah. We don't talk about bull boy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's very weird. It just, it's, it's a little, it's a little quirky. Uh, but I did enjoy it more, not necessarily because the narrative was going on further. They're just, the episodes happened to be a little bit more interesting to me. Um, the stuff with the devil is still really entertaining. Like I am a sucker for cartoonified, goofy, like stupid Satan stuff. It's so funny. Like, you know, it just, he looks funny in this animated style because anyone in this show who is not a beefcake, they're all, they all have, they're like stick figures with beer bellies. And I think it's really funny. I don't, <laughs> it just, it's a, it's a part of that classic art style from like the twenties that I've always enjoyed. Um, uh,
1: chalice, I think chalice the, is a backstabbing the, devil, bitch. the devil has huge Squidward vibes. Yes, for
0: sure. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I liked the. um, I like that we got more Elder Kettle this season. He's very funny. It's boomer humor stuff, but I still like it. Uh, like, wow, the old war vet is getting upset <laughs> over overhearing things and is like gonna kill his children. I don't know. It's <laughs> funny. Elder Kettle's having Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> Literally, it just. Um. Uh, I don't know like it's just it's more of the same it's a yeah. little bit more enjoyable maybe just because I'm in the right mood for it I watched a few episodes every night for a couple of weeks you know just two three episodes it's a nice little bite-sized chunk and I go to bed it was it was nice to eat while like watching it, it was nice to watch while eating dinner and then going to bed you know nothing just something cute and it, it's
1: done the first season seemed to have a couple of like graveyard or Halloween ask episodes of ghosts, ghosts and ghouls and goblins and whatever, like, like is part of the theme song, uh, something about being scared and that didn't seem to have a place in this season. Maybe I'm just being, I think there was
0: one episode. Um, I don't know. They dealt with the the water stuff more this season.
1: This season seemed to be more violent too. Maybe I'm I'm being a forgetful boy, but there seemed to be, uh, I don't know. They seemed to use weapons more. Yeah. And I thought that was funny. Definitely. It's just an, an odd thing to notice, I guess.
0: I think the other big flag that this was kind of just produced is one big thing, is that the theme song includes a whole bunch of characters that we don't see until season two like it's just got a bunch of stuff just there and like they don't they don't follow up on any of it in the first season and then in season two Mm. we start getting into it's like and it just it 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 definitely comes across like they made this in little chunks like a kid's show which is fine um interesting that's all i got man like i enjoyed it a, a modicum more I won't watch this again, probably. Nah. Once it's done, I'll probably watch all of it, however much they make. But
1: when you have a kid, how old will said kid be before you let them watch this? Like two. Okay. Infantile.
0: It's all slapstick, which is fine by me. I, 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 good slapstick is good. I just, we use slapstick so frequently, and it's always like dog shit but Good Slapstick is comedic gold.
1: It just seems, as far as like parental rating or whatever, parental concerns, it seems on the same scale as Looney Tunes. Pretty much. It's
0: you getting weirded out by Bullboy aside, there's nothing here that's particularly disturbing. Uh, Even the innuendos are very toned down. I'm pretty impressed with some of the jokes that they pull off. I'm like, Oh, oh, that was a dick joke. What? There's, there's <laughs> enough of that. or you know it's it's very well coded. Um, I do have one thing to say, which is that uh, Elder Kettle, Elder Kettle's slippers look like fucking nipples, and I don't like it. What? They look like the like nipple like the like the caps like nipple caps for like baby bottles, just with the weird shape that they have. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I
1: think you need a bunk. Oh, I see it now. No, not horny. Gross. I don't know. You got to kind of be looking at for. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know.
0: Well, you're the one who is deeply disturbed by a bull boy for no fucking reason. So don't, talk, don't talk to me about the nipple shoes.
1: <laughs> nipple slippers. <laughs> I want... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Would that be n- nipplers? Oh, gosh. That sounds gross.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound appealing. So, uh, so, I I played a a large game. Not a huge game, but a, it's a big one.
1: It uh, it's not a a 3-hour press rate right to win game. Yeah, apparently
0: yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh so I played Prey, which came out in 2017. It is classified as a first-person shooter, which is not accurate. Uh, It is developed by Arcane Austin and is published by Bethesda Softworks. It is released for Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, It takes place in an alternate timeline in which an accelerated space race resulted in humanity taking to orbital stations far earlier. Uh, The player controls Morgan Yu while exploring the space space station Talos 1 in orbit around uh, the Earth moon, uh, where they were part of a scientific team researching the Typhon a hostile alien force composed of many forms of both physical and psychic powers, such as shape-shifting into a clone of any inanimate object. Uh, as the Typhon escape confinement, the player uses a variety of weapons and abilities, some of which are derived from the Typhon themselves, to avoid being killed while looking to escape the station. The player gains access to areas of the station by acquiring key items and abilities, allowing the play- eventually allowing the player to explore the station in an open-world setting. The game combines elements of role-playing games, stealth games, immersive sims, and metroidvanias in its design. Uh, This is unrelated mostly to the 2006 game Prey developed by Human Head Studios. Uh, Legally speaking, it is a reboot, but it is a reimagining of the IP uh, set in a new narrative. The original sequel, the original game was supposed to get a sequel. It never happened. It was stuck in development hell for ages. A bunch of legal stuff got shifted around. Um, it, it it's a whole. It's basically an original property. Uh, I watched con-
1: videos all about the first one, though. It looks really cool.
0: Yep, uh, it is. Uh, it is a spiritual sequel to System Shock, uh, which would also put it a uh, lot words um, it is a spiritual sequel to System Shock, which puts it alongside games like Deus Ex and Bioshock. Uh, which, frankly, are my major comparisons for this game. So that, you know, makes sense. Uh, Basically, when you really boil it down, uh, this is, from where I'm sitting, Bioshock plus Alien, kind of. That's exactly
1: what I was going (laughs) to say.
0: So it is a it is a game that takes place in the first person and you use a lot of guns but it is not a first person shooter whatsoever it's not uh combat is secondary in this game to
1: exploration um, yes, it's more like a first pe- first person action game it's a i'd call it more of a first person platformer um describing it as a
0: metroidvania once you played the entire game is pretty accurate you go back to areas very frequently because of new key cards or access codes to unlock new doors, unlock new safes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and once you hit to towards the end game where you can kind of just explore the entire facility, it's pretty freaking cool. Like just being able to fly through this place that took you 15 hours probably to clear originally. Um, and the biggest reason for that is the glue gun. This this weapon is so flippin' sweet. Um, not really a weapon it's like a it's a an engineering tool uh kind of like your your dead spaces um it is a gun that shoots big wads of what looks like insulation foam uh you can use these on almost all surfaces excluding uh glass they can't stack on top of each other which is a technical thing um they had a lot more they had a lot stronger ambitions for the gun than they were able to actually execute they they wanted to be able to basically make it like just like infinitely stackable but like just the amount of rendering time and energy to do that is kind of crazy um so they found a kind of a happy medium in the middle so it can't load onto glass and they don't stack on each other but beyond that you can put these things anywhere um and you can climb on top of them if you place them correctly so you can Like, you can go to so many areas you're not supposed to be in and usually get fucking demolished, but like, you can fuck around anywhere. It's really, really cool.
1: That is kind of the cool thing about this game, anyway, is your build can really break the game too. Like, if you don't have, uh, I can't remember what kind of powers you get in this game, but I know for a fact there's a doorway with like big couches stacked in front of it and Mm -hmm. you can use something like mind powers or, or a ray gun or something to shoot the couches out of the way or you can build up your stats to like have the strength to move the couches or you can use the glue gun and climb up a set of stairs you make and get in through a window next to the door or something like it. There's it's like breath of the wild style creativity that you need to play this game
0: for sure um that's a very common occurrence once especially once you get further into the game almost every single new uh department mostly is kind of how the game categorizes its areas and levels is you have different departments and you have like sub departments so you can go to the hardware labs includes like 18 different rooms and offices over three different floors um and most of those specific areas have stuff like that. They have barriers blocking your way, which you might need to have increased your your strength statistics to pick it up. You can uh, so a, a power that I didn't realize was there and is really fucking cool. Um, you can mimic anything. You can get the power of the Typhon at at one point in the game, and you can I you could just play the game as like a coffee mug. Not the whole game, but for a little, like a little bit. It drains on um, your psychic powers. But to get through certain doorways, if you don't have the right stats and you don't have a key card to do whatever, you can mimic the right object and squeeze through gaps, which is really fucking fun. Um, I only looked up like two things on my phone for this game the whole time. I was more than happy to put in the effort to learn how the systems work to be able to enjoy it fully. Um, but yeah, the so the general game narrative, there's a few different endings, I think, but they're all pretty similar. Um, the thing that I really appreciate about the RPG mechanics, I guess, um, is the fact that it doesn't majorly affect the end state of the game. It affects how you play it. And I really like that um, as opposed to like the game alter, like massive, like narrative altering uh, stuff. I like the fact that I can play the same game as you, you, and we can play the game very differently. But when I go, oh, hey, this department that you had to go to to get this one thing, that one enemy was like really hard. Like the basics of the game are always there. You just can avoid them, uh, whether it be by using the stealth system, which is pretty well-functioning. It's not the craziest thing in the world, Uh, but you can crouch and, you know, hide around objects and especially in the early parts of the game, some of these enemies are hard as shit. So it it's it's good to have options. Um and I feel like most of them are equally valid, whether it be upgrading your like physical abilities. So like strength and speed and health or unlocking technological stuff like upgrading your hacking abilities to get through doors faster, stuff like that. Um the psychic abilities are cool, but they're not as, as strong as I would have liked them to be. Um,
1: the if, sub- you, if your shit is as hard as some of those enemies, I think you need a laxative.
0: Yes. Um, there are certain psychic powers, which I found extremely beneficial, like uh, entering a combat state, so it like, it, it slows time down. Um, as well as mimicking and a few other things. But... It, The amount of like sub menus you have to navigate to use the psychic powers, I think is the biggest detractor for me. Um, I also have like first person shooter brain. So I'm going to opt to fight things first. And I did that and then it kept kicking my ass and I went, Oh, maybe I should stop. And then I tried. Um, and it, it's worth it to try stealth. Sometimes I, I appreciate that. It will be more time consuming by a long shot, but also you won't die 10 times in the same area. Um, so learning how to navigate around stuff is cool. But the thing with that is if you avoid enemies in an area for a while and then have to go back, there will be more enemies. So it gets harder if you keep avoiding them. Um, so I like that there's a kind of a tug of war there. If you just eliminate everything, there will be enemies that respawn eventually. They will There, there will be new ones that wander in from down the hall. Um, and that makes going to old areas more interesting. But if you play stealth the whole game, you are going to get ass pounded towards the end because there are going to be so many enemies in some areas. You won't be able to move. Um, How
1: did you like the scares?
0: Okay. So it's spooky season and I played a spooky game. Um, This game got me a few times, but I appreciated the atmosphere more than anything else. This is kind of my type of horror. If I'm being honest, Um, there are jump scares. There's literally jump scare like noises,
1: but it's, how the enemies are designed literally to be jump scares.
0: The uh, base enemy design, the smallest life form, they just mimic objects. They'll run around a little bit here and there, Uh, but mostly they'll just be like, I'm a cup, and you don't know that that cup is not a cup. And then it'll just go... Um, (laughs) The first jump scare in the game scared the fucking shit out of me. Uh, (laughs) This is the thing. So narrative-wise... Um, the game opens up and it's boring as shit. You're like, wait, is this what I signed up for? It's a simulation and blah, blah. Um, But the first time you encounter a mimic just scared the bacheezies out of me. Not when you see it behind the glass attacking somebody else, which was freaky. But the first one, it's just later in the game, you'll fight off like dozens of these at the same time. But the first time when you're just in a back room with a wrench with pathetic levels of health. And you just got a flashlight. It's fucking scary. <laughs> um, but as the game goes on, it definitely gets less creepy. I mean, less scary. It keeps the creepy energy. And that's the thing I like. I like the setting. I like the the science, the technology that they have going on. The lore is really interesting. The world building is phenomenal. I don't want to get into a lot of that because I will spoil it for you. And I do think it is worth finishing. Um, but well, it, like it's... that, it's it begs a lot of questions it it gets a little philosophical about stuff the jump scares are like an aesthetic thing after a while you get used to them you literally gain an ability at some point to put it like a chipset into your goggles basically and you can see the mimics before like they do anything you can walk into a room and it'll like tag where all of them are so it, it does diminish this the jump scares after a while but the enemies start getting bigger, and there's some of them, which are really fucking big. There's one of them, I believe it's called Nightmare, where you just have to run. It's a one hit kill. You'll be dead. It's not gonna go well for you. So it like you just walk into a random area. I think they're procedurally generated enemies. And like it'll just go, oh, by the way, you need to run now. You have three minutes. And like you just see this thing hauling ass towards you. It's like fifty feet tall. Um, And you have to sneak around the place to try to avoid it until the timer runs out, which is fun. You can kill them, but it is incredibly difficult and not worth it. Um, You were
1: talking about world building, and this game really relies on the player being smart and attentive. Yes. Like, there are so many puzzles where uh, you'll see a flashback and there's a password written down and then yep. you come to the the you know current time and the password is erased and you have to figure out the password to get into the safe to get the key but you had to be paying attention you can't be on your phone it's the same thing with the enemy the the mimics it's like you walk into a room you heard a whoosh you know there's something here and Hey, wait a minute! Why are there two coffee cups side by side next to the computer? Like, right.
0: I I really appreciate that. Um, I, I understand it does not make for a very uh normy friendly game for sure. Uh, if you're walking going in expecting a shooting game, you're not going to be happy. Uh, if you're walking in expecting like full horror, it's not that either. It's a very interesting sci-fi narrative with a lot of it's got a lot of heady stuff in it, but it doesn't shove it in your face, which is what I appreciate. Like, it asks you to engage with the ideas. Like, you'll find random books lying around all over the place because you're in a space station. There are hundreds of people that lived here. (laughs) Most of them are dead now. Um, But you'll just see books around. And when you, you know, go check out the book, it'll show you little excerpts of whatever they were reading. And a lot of them have implications on stuff. And trying to figure out where that all fits is really interesting. Um, Or you could just avoid it entirely. Like, you don't have to engage with that. Um, But when it comes to just general gameplay progression, yeah, you have to be really attentive because there are so many interactable computers in this environment, whether it be uh, finding crew members, getting passwords, checking emails, uh, resetting security systems. It's all over the place. Um, And I really like that. It's a physical interactable computer in the world. It doesn't pull you into, like, a new interface. It just you just keep moving your head around the screen and you press buttons um which i I quite like the major twist that happens uh i thought about but i don't think the fact that i saw it coming diminishes from the thing that it asks asks about um if you are paying attention towards the beginning of the game you'll probably somewhere in your brain you'll go oh maybe that's the twist and the game plays out as normal. There is a post-credit scene, and that changes the game. And it's a little cheap to do that, but I don't mind it. It didn't bother me. I like I said, I saw it coming, but the fact that the game doubles down on a potential option was pretty nice. Um, the narrative is very confusing in the beginning. Like, cause you wake up in an apartment, it's bright and sunny, you're going to your new job. Oh my goodness. And then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, aliens, you're dead now. And then you wake up and it's all fucking crazy. Just the first little bit of gameplay where you break out of your apartment by like shattering windows and then turning out that they're one way screens is fucking freaky. Uh, There's a lot of the game that has that in it. Like a lot of the game does that. And I really, really like that. It's very tripping balls um there are a couple of jump scares they get that way uh there's one in particular which is definitely part of like a side quest thing where it's having you like calibrate a screen with your like visor mode on and there's a fucking enemy behind the screen but it doesn't show you until you finish the calibration like i knew it was going to happen but oh my gosh i kind of like i slid down my chair because it's not just you know there it's in your face and it um really really good stuff. The the I like the fact that the jump scares are part of the narrative. It's not intended to just get your heart rate going to fuck with you. It's it wants it 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 encourages you to look at the world. And that's something which I think if you're not into it's going to be hard to play this game. The fact that your your base enemies are hidden throughout rooms and stuff and you want to look for them so you don't, you know, get attacked and potentially die. Um, it makes you look at everything. So it makes you look at sticky notes and emails and bar stools, like everything, which is really thorough. And I really like that. That's like my type of thing. But if you're looking for like a 10 hour shooter experience, holy fuck, you're going to be bored to tears. Um, So
1: you're saying this game appeased the OCD brain. Oh
0: my gosh, yes. Um, Not in the sense that you can complete everything in one go through, but in the sense that it validated me taking 20 minutes to clear a room because you collect so many raw materials and like you turn those nasty banana peels into craftable material like stuff like that really helps the world and i i'm really impressed by that um that, 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 that. the thing with the gameplay that like i said with the psychic powers the control scheme isn't great um it's functional once you get used to it but it's not the best. And when it comes to gunplay, it's not that good either. Um, they're, they're tools. It's not a shooting game. I like that. It's, I don't know, you play Dead Space. Most of your weapons in Dead Space are mining tools. They're not guns, but they do kind of play out like guns sometimes. This, you do get actual weapons, but they don't come across as like, oh, sick, I got the golden gun. I'm going to go shoot some stuff. It's like, well, when I encounter this one type of enemy, I'm going to need to use this weapon because I have limited ammunition, but it's going to absolutely wreck their shit. Like, I I played most of the game with my wrench out just because, one, mimics the little jump scare monsters are fucking annoying, um, and wasting ammunition on those is a bad idea. But, like, I don't know. I'll just... There's a, a few different enemy types. There's, like, specific subsections you get your you know electric types you get your like phantomy teleporty types you know i used a handgun for a lot of it i won't deny that but that's mostly because it's really easy to use using the glue gun constantly can kind of get old um it's great for platforming and it's really cool because it freezes enemies in place but i blew through so much glue gun ammunition and just to get up close and hit them a few times and then retreat to do it again gets a little repetitive so I ran out of gun ammunition constantly. I I was not afraid to use my guns, but just they're clunky. It's really really clunky. The just the control the control scheme in general makes walking around and like interacting with stuff a little a little finicky. Um and that's why I thought of BioShock because BioShock has better shooting mechanics by a long shot. That is a very combat-based game, but it still has a very dense body feel it's the thing in destiny that i really really don't like is you feel like a big hulking massive unit but in destiny it's a really snappy shooter so that does not fucking work in this game it works it can just be kind of annoying if you're used to moving faster or more precisely it's just rough um which was probably better on pc i played this on xbox so take that for what you will um, technologically speaking to finish out, uh, so I don't rant forever. Uh, <laughs> graphics are very good. Nothing stupendous. I played this on the Xbox series X with maximum settings on, you know, a 4k monitor, blah, blah, blah. Um, it definitely looks better on PC. I've looked at the screenshots that people captured during the marketing campaign and it, uh, it can look a lot better than it, how it was running online. Frame rate was consistent. I didn't have any issues with that. It was consistently running at 60, but the uh, the polygons, like the models, the 3D models had a lot of polygons. They were very detailed, but it seemed like the textures and like the actual um, overlays were pretty low res. So in motion, everything looks really nice, but if you stare at something long enough, it kind of looks like shit. Um low lighting environments really help with that which was quite nice there are a lot of those especially out in space when you go outside of the space station for a few segments it all looks really really nice it just i don't know when you when you spend most of the game staring at coffee mugs eventually the coffee mugs start looking like fucking video game coffee mugs
1: eventually the coffee mugs start staring back pretty much
0: um Beyond that, technologically speaking, I had no real like buffering problems. It didn't crash. Everything performed smoothly. The menus are very nice. They're nothing stupendous, but they're very functional. Uh, the user interface in-game is a little less great. I appreciate the gun having a built-in ammo count. I'm a big sucker for those. But the uh, the map and like inventory user interface is kind of shit. Um, it just takes a while to navigate. It doesn't always load correctly either. So sometimes you have to like load the map, close it, load it up again for it to load everything correctly. I'm not sure what's up with that. Um, it just required a lot of use of the bumpers and triggers to navigate all of the menus because there's so many different things running on the back end, which is kind of a necessity. It just makes it a pain in the butt.
1: You have a lot of things running on your back end.
0: Sound design and music is out of this world awesome. Uh, The game relies on you having an attentive ear and I really appreciate that. I was playing with headphones the whole time. I was playing in like a quiet apartment with the doors closed and no lights on. So I was hyper focusing. Um, After a while, the uh, jump scare noises and like enemy has been alerted type noises kind of get annoying, uh, especially if you're, especially if you're trying to like run through areas with a shit ton of enemies. It just gets annoying uh but that's more so because there's a lack of variety the no the recordings in of themselves all sound good it's just kind of a few sounds and that's it um so i would have appreciated a little bit more variety in the you know alerts basically the jump scare noises aren't overplayed which is nice it's all solid um the you know sound of your feet on the different materials you're running on, the interactable objects, all sound really, really good. Uh, you know, dropping a coffee mug doesn't sound the same as dropping a bottle of wine. They're, they were very thorough with their noises. Um, and the, the soundtrack slash musical score composed by God himself, Mick Gordon, is fucking awesome. Uh, I have never heard anything bad from this man, and I probably never will. Uh, it's not as unique or memorable as something like Doom, obviously, but it's very good. The The main theme is nice. It, it runs quietly in the background. Each of the departments have different uh, musical tracks, which is nice, which makes for good. It's very low-level background music, so you can still hear the actual game and know the difference between the music and the game.
1: So uh, basically, next time I'm over at your place and you're playing the Prey, original soundtrack, I'm just going to have like an air horn that I'll just blast every once in a while to scare yeah. the crap out of you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's
0: good. It's very thorough. And that's the thing that I, I think in general is the best way to describe this game. It's thorough and I don't feel like there's any element that was thrown in at the last minute or underdeveloped. I think there are parts that are under polished so they could have used some more time in the oven but the materials the ingredients were all there they just you know the the bread had the yeast it just wasn't in the oven long enough um i played on normal difficulty which is the second hardest before you get into like the ultra crazy gonna smash your pelvic modes um And it was moderately difficult. I had, I died plenty, which is part of the game. You're not supposed to not die. I can understand wanting to play this on like narrative mode though. I considered it for a hot second because it's the narrative is really the draw here. The gameplay is mostly just functional. Um, Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure Benedict Wong plays uh, your brother in this game. I'm going to check that right now because I heard his voice so many times during so many phone calls in this game. And it just, I I swear. Technical difficulties. Yes. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, Yeah. Benedict Wong plays your uh, brother who also works at this corporation. He's a bad guy. He calls you on the phone all the time. Uh, it just I, I kept hearing his voice. And I'm like, ah, Wong, how are you doing? Um, I really enjoyed this. It's got some problems. It's a little rough. And if it's not your type of game, you're going to be miserable. Uh, I played it for 27 hours to complete the main narrative and probably 50% of the side quests-ish. Um, like I said, I'm very thorough. So it's hard to tell what part of the game is like required to finish and what part is a side quest. And that's good game design. Um, I'm going to finish more stuff before I move on to my next game. I'll probably throw in another day or two's worth of effort to wrap up some more stuff. Um, Real good, real good shit.
1: Nice. How much did you get it for? I purchased this for
0: $5 at, um, I believe I purchased, wait, I bought this at Jetpack, actually. Really? Uh, every once in a while, Jetpack has some uh, some decent games on their game rack, and they're usually pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. I bought it for five, maybe seven dollars tops. Uh, what would be the... your suggested price? I would have bought this for full price. So interesting. Up to sixty. You know, uh, there are two expansions for the game. One of them is a procedurally generated battle mode, basically and the other one is a uh, multiplayer PvP. Um, I think it's weird that those cost money, but I I would rather have that than them be narrative expansions. You know, you pay 15 bucks. It's a whole different game mode. Uh, that makes sense, like, on a development cycle. You made the game. The narrative is done, but you still want to support the game after release, and people are like, oh, well, we want to play multiplayer, and they're like, fine, we'll make a multiplayer mode, but you have to pay for it.
1: I'm pretty sure... They also released a VR uh a DLC. I'd shit myself. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. I know for a fact Resident Evil 7 has a VR mode and I will never ever play that. I will piss myself. I wanna live. Um
0: I I think the best price for this would have been like 50 bucks a month after release. Um to, I must, this, this, just the vibe of this game, it probably launched a little buggy. Um, probably nothing game breaking, but like they're probably um, back end like processing problems because it's a, it's, it's still a A game, but it's a very small A game. Um, it just has the vibe of like this could have used another six months in the oven just to polish it a little more. So I have a, I have a gut feeling it probably launched a little buggy. So I would have waited until like the first, sale or coupon but i still would if someone's like hey you want to play pay for 60 bucks i would have bought it for 60 bucks but that's because i'm stupid (laughs) i like it i like it a lot i'm i'm impressed i liked it
1: almost as much as bioshock and bioshock infinite but that's a
0: that's more of a preferential thing
1: i tried bioshock 2 after being bioshock and it just did not click with me it's just really
0: repetitive bioshock 2 isn't isn't that great? Uh, uh, Infinite can, is really good, though. Can Can I skip, two and just go to Infinite? Yeah, Infinite's not a continuation, really. It's a whole different thing. Awesome,
1: I'll do that. It's, right, also well,
0: less, it's also less It's also horror-y. It's a lot more of an action game, uh, which is why it appealed to my, like, 14-year-old ADHD-riddled brain at the time. I was like, okay, so we played Bioshock, and that was scary and slow. And then well, Infinite's like...
1: You know what else appeals to your adhd riddled 14 year old brain money uh spending money at yes. jetpack comics and games in downtown rochester new hampshire they are our partners they make both this show and our weekly show Dime comic bros podcast happen uh all the time we just podcast non-stop that's all we do we work we sleep we podcast um Please check out Jetpack Comics and Games for all your comics and games needs. Speaking of money, though, we have two patrons that also make the show happen. Uh, Jeff Lorenz and Caitlin both pay us money, and we like money. Hello, I like money. Um, uh, <laughs> they have gone to patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros and given us money for different kinds of uh rewards i guess or or perks as patrons to this show uh including artwork done by colin uh access to our weekly patreon exclusive show dime comic Bros happy hour where we crack a beer or uh Drink a mug of coffee and talk about anything that comes to our simple minds. Uh, And a bunch of other things. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros to see what you can get for money. Yes. Next month is going to be. It is the finale of season one of Dime
0: Gaming Bros.
1: Oh, that's true. We are going to have a very special guest. Colin because that is the only special guest we can get on these kinds of shows. True. And we are going to do a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles extravaganza. A TMNT Boogaloo, you may say. I mean, it's more like
0: we're all going to play one game and then talk about it, but sure, we are going to be playing Shredder's Revenge. Uh, Colin started playing this game before
1: we did, which was quite impressive. Uh, It's... even more impressive that he has already watched the TV show we're going to review next month, which will be uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, a Netflix exclusive.
0: Yeah, it's because it's anime. So he was he could smell it. He could yeah. smell it coming. True story. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. So we will be uh, playing Shredder's Revenge. Uh, those the, the two of us are going to have a bunch of late night gaming sessions, playing couch co-op with a bunch of monsters and pizza and shit.
1: I mean, you can have, Uh, you can keep the monster. I'll just have the, the, the pizza. Wow. You can keep keep the monster. I'll just have the pizza and whiskey. I'm
0: hungry. It's noon (laughs) and I haven't eaten anything. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So we will be doing that next month to wrap out uh, this season of dime gaming bros. Uh, We have a couple of small changes coming for next season. Nothing too big, but we will be uh, continuing this show until we die. And uh, yeah, we have a little we'll have a little cameo by our buddy Colin. So we're going to have it's going to turn into recording Dime Comic Bros twice in one week. I'm going to die. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening. Go check out our social media on Twitter and Instagram for updates, previews. Uh, Check out some of the screenshots that we have taken of our gameplay. Uh, See any additional
1: news shenanigans
0: that we might not end up talking about on the show.
1: That was something I wanted to talk about. I took screenshots from Wolf Amogus, and there were two shots at least where there's graffiti in the background, and I swear it is not Photoshop. There is actually DCB graffitied in the background in the game. They knew I was going (laughs) to review their game. Absolutely. Nine years before we made this show. It's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Uh thank you for listening. Send us an email at dimegaminggrows at gmail.com if you have any suggestions, questions, concerns, uh memes, maybe, you know, that'd be real cool. Send us some some spooky memes. Uh. Doot doot. And yeah, enjoy the rest of spooky month. Uh I had something snarky to say, but I forgot it.
1: It's kind of cool to be recording this on a Sunday morning because, because it is the one Sunday morning of the year that there's a football game happening over in, in tea drinking land. So it's started at 9 a.m. So I get a little, you know, my phone set up in a corner watching sport ball as we talk about video games. Wow. Sport ball in bonger land. That's crazy. They do it every year. They're trying to, to show the tea drinkers that other that American football is cool and they should get involved, but the tea drinkers aren't having it. This Back. is like five years in a row or something that they've had a game over there and the Brits go, righto, but uh, actually football is a round ball that you kick the whole game.
0: They all want to fuck the queen. I don't care. The queen is dead. Yeah, they still want to fuck her. Gigi, oh, okay. Have you not seen that they're lining up for miles just to look at her dead body? Hi. I like money. I like money. Oh, I'm here. I need coffee. Mm, coffee. I have brain rot, I guess. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs>
1: did
0: um, you did you send Toad off to the farm, you cop? I'm... Food.